Hey, everyone. During the course of this episode, we asked people for a hashtag uh, to use on Twitter when you're recommending TV shows and films for us three hosts to watch on this podcast. And uh, I, I tweeted it out from the Slash Filmcast Twitter account. And over the course of the episode, um, we kind of evaluate different options. I just wanted to tell you where we landed on that right at the top of the show. So there's no confusion because at various points we do agree on different things. But the winner is hashtag slash tag. That's the hashtag symbol and the words slash tag together. So hashtag slash tag. Uh, thank you to Martin Valens from the chat room for coming up with that. But if you want to recommend something for us to watch, we're going to start organizing it using hashtag slash tag on Twitter. Thanks to everyone who's been recommending stuff to us during these times. We really appreciate it. Thanks to Martin for suggesting hashtag slash tag. That's the hashtag symbol, the word slash tag. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I am David Chen, and with me are Devendra Hardwar and Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. What we're going to do on today's podcast, there's a bunch of film and TV news going on right now, and uh, we generally have not talked about that kind of stuff a lot because uh, Slash Film Daily does a great job of covering that stuff. Um, but this is stuff that's like significantly reshaping the very industry that we've known for kind of, pretty kind much of all of our lives. All of us, yeah. Paradigm yeah, so, shifts. So we're going to talk about some of that. We got some what we've been watching for you. We're going to conclude with an in-depth review of She Dies Tomorrow, which is a new movie by Amy Simetz. Uh, that is what is in store. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. I want to start just by saying last week we spoke a little bit about Netflix's uh, new speed feature. You can like speed up, slow down things. We got a number of emails um, from uh, people who are disabled and disability advocates um, who did praise Netflix's decision to include these features, said they were very, very useful from an accessibility standpoint. So just want to acknowledge that. Thank you all for writing into slashfilmcast.gmail.com with your opinions. Mm -hmm. um, we appreciate it. Uh, okay. So... Uh, so much stuff happened, you know, and of course, a lot of it broke like immediately after we published the episode. Um, Jeff, I think you might have experienced this as well. Like, sometimes I listen to Jeff's podcast DLC, and it's like literally <laughs> after it's released, tons of video game news happens. Right? All no, we uh, we specifically time. record our show uh, right before big news breaks. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a it's kind of our gift, uh, especially yeah, on DLC. It, it's it's like a bonus. To, to have stuff that's like immediately out of date, right? Immediately so. out of date, <laughs> uh, immediately irrelevant. We're speculate. Yeah. I like my favorite is when we speculate on things and then and then it's cleared up <laughs> before I even push publish. You know, mm. that's the mm. best. Well, speaking of speculating on things, actually, before we even get to the film news, I do want to mention one thing that happened this week, which is I made a tweet that I retweeted. Is re I retweeted from the slash filmcast account and. Here, here is the nature of my tweet. I said, for reasons that I will not yet explain, I needed a high-res photo of me, Jeff Kanata, and Devendra Hardwar. Unfortunately, no such photo exists. However, there is a group photo of all of us at my wedding. Uh, Danish Syed, 
friend of the podcast uh, and a really cool guy who has his own podcast called Someone Should Make This. Which is a um, great podcast, by the way. Fantastic. Great podcast. Someone should make this. He has on a guest, uh, Mike Biffle, on this week's episode, and uh, that is an amazing guest. Okay. It's a show anyway. about them talking about video games that somebody should make. It's really great. Creative and fun. Yeah. 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 Okay. So anyway, he digitally composited the three of us together into one photo. and I Seamlessly. Result- it's as if we were standing next to each other the whole time. <laughs> So I posted this photo on Twitter. We'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, and uh, it got almost it got 800 likes, and uh, dozens of people responded with their take on what they think this photo was meant to represent. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. Many people think we look like uh, kind of, <laughs> I guess, cheap lawyers. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, but the, people like Real really estate agents. On I it. heard a lot. Uh, yeah. 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 We're side people, characters in Better Call Saul, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. People really riffed on it in a way that was just absolutely delightful. <laughs> and so I, I really feel like I need to share, you know, like I'll, we'll put it in the show notes. You, you really got to check these out. Um, one of my favorites came from Greg Thompson or Toughhawk13 on Twitter. He says, he's looking at this image of the three of us that I posted on Twitter. And he says, when three high-powered movie execs on a bro trip have their tires slashed in a small fishing town, they'll soon find that rods, reels, and romance are just around the river bend. Chen, Kanata, and Hardawar star in slash film cast. Perfect. That's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. That's our slash SNL film movie cast. adaptation, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good, and people were making posters out yeah. of it. Uh, I think it should be our new, uh, our new show <laughs> album art. Uh, yeah, somebody, uh, Surin Rap, uh, over on Twitter, made a uh, poster of us that looked like the Goodfellas poster, but it was called Slash Fellas. Yeah, so that sure. was amazing as well. Um, so. Yeah, this is this is amazing. And here's what's a, here's what's so amazing about it is people don't even know yet what this is for. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it, it's for something that's really cool and I've told some a, a few select people what it's for. Uh and one of my friends who I told like what the, the the purpose of the photo, I divulged what the purpose was. This person said, "Wait a second, David. You're telling me this photo is going to get even better?" <laughs> And that's all I'm gonna. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say about it. We're all running for Congress, it. everyone. That's our. Uh, that's our lawn <laughs> sign, and we made it. We're a three-headed um, monster running for Congress. Yeah. Uh, that's how it works. So, th- this is basically going to be a multi, <laughs> a multi-week project. This photo, and we're going to be able to talk about it starting next week on the podcast. So, stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, next week we're going to reveal exactly. What the purpose of this photo is, I can't wait for you all to find out. You know what's but, funny? It's a multi-work par- uh, project through no effort on our own. Like, <laughs> we're not doing anything. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs> we're doing the same effort we do for everything, which is mentioning it in passing. <laughs> Just let the internet have its way. <laughs> so um, I would say the top news of the last week is this whole Mulan situation, right? Yeah. Uh, so we, we yeah, the top each- news in the world, yes, for sure. Uh, well, movie news, I'm saying. You know, <laughs> um, the uh, we, we we were texting each other furiously after this was was happening, and let me tell you, it takes a lot to get us to furiously text. Um, <laughs> but on a Disney uh, earnings call this uh, last week, 
Disney divulged that they have achieved around 60 million subscribers to Disney Plus, which is incredible for a service that is not even one year old. Sure. Uh, and over 100 million subscribers, like all their digital Right, stuff, across all, all properties, together. over 100 million yeah. subscribers. So that's just incredible. Uh, and they said that they're going to release Mulan um, on Disney Plus for an additional $30 fee. Now, this is weird. Um, I, I have to say there's no real, there's no real uh, uh, analogy to like what this is. Yeah. Because the thing is, yeah. Yeah. it's not like a, what's called a transactional video on demand product. Because a transactional video on demand is like you buy it on let's say iTunes or Amazon and you um you you basically own it right i mean mm-hmm. like you're you're technically licensing it but you you own it for as long as those services exist and possibly afterwards right. and you're not required um, to subscribe to and anything. you're not required to subscribe to anything yeah so the thing is it's also not pay per view which has been around forever <laughs> right it's also uh, not pay per view which is like it's there and then you you don't have vod access to it afterwards well, right so so right. the thing is like i would i would call this more like dlc your favorite thing, Jeff. Like, yeah, <laughs> it is a cost on top of the thing you already paid for. Apparently, Disney is kind of a pioneer in this field because I've talked to people, uh, the people who subscribe to that ESPN streaming service. There are exactly things like this. Like when there is a pay-per-view event, you get you still gotta pay more on top of your ESPN subscription. So it's microtransactions yeah. for networks, yes. baby. <laughs> yes, microtransactions. The worst possible future for streaming media. Yeah, I saw. Well, I saw a lot of people saying, "Oh, it's it's too expensive." I mean, I think compared to the old world when we used to see movies in theaters, it feels mm-hmm. pretty reasonable, right? Sure, I mean, sure. Uh, especially if you're a family, you know, family of four, family of four trip to movie theater, parking and tickets and food. You know, you're spending one hundred, two hundred dollars, maybe even easy. Um, yeah, a lot of people have made that comparison that it's it's really if you're thinking about sitting down with a family, it's really not <laughs> any more expensive. And and I also think the the sort of faux outrage or whatever you want to call it, the surprise, the shock, sticker shock of uh, of it being on top of a subscription to a service feels a little... I think Disney just sort of assumes your subscription, right? It's, it's That's the baseline. <laughs> sure, sure. Because honestly... What are you going to do? I, Go somewhere else? Yeah, right. <laughs> where where uh, else are you going to watch your Avengers Endgame? Come on. Well, honestly, I remember many, many years in my youth... Uh, when pay-per-view really was a thing, you yeah. know, and my dad wanted to watch the new Mike Tyson fight. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could get pay-per-view without cable. Could you? I don't nope. think you could just get pay-per-view. I don't think you no. could just have, part you know, of the whole thing. But, yeah. yeah, you couldn't have rabbit ears and then get pay-per-view. You had to have a cable subscription. You had to have like the vessel to achieve the transaction. <laughs> exactly. And that is what Disney Plus is. This is wild. So let, let me just say, I wrote this thing at Engadget that I think kind of expressed my feelings. It's called Disney has no idea what it's doing with Mulan. And I think that's <laughs> basically it because it's um this like I was listening to this earnings call because I'm covering this thing for work. And normally I don't like listening to the Disney stuff because it's there's news, but it's not super exciting. And then Bob Chapik, the CEO of Disney, is just like, Oh, and uh, we're releasing Mulan for thirty bucks. B- B- BT Dubs, BT Dubs, Mulan. No big deal. No big deal. So every so a lot of this response is just people saying, "What the hell did you just say?" And the weird yeah. thing is too, like as as a news guy, like okay, it's like I got to get more details. Disney did not tweet about this. Disney right. did not issue a press release. We had to wait nearly twelve hours for a Disney spokesperson to confirm that this was actually a purchase. 
and not just the $30 rental. Like they're yeah. chickens with their heads cut off over there. Like they're just, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing apparently. Um, at least that's like, there's no order here. There's no process to this. They're just like, Hey, $30 Mulan. Let's see how this goes. And that's kind of what they're saying. This is an experiment, but it could lead to a lot more for them. Yeah. And, and I just want to make sure we're, we're extremely clear about basically uh, how it works is you pay $30 on September 4th on top of your Disney Plus subscription, <laughs> which is, I think, $7 a month, if I'm not mistaken. Seven Six, or seven 70 a year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so around that amount. Um, you pay $30. You then get to access Mulan for as long as you are subscribed to Disney+. Plus, Right? So yeah. it's not a purchase, um, but it's not a but rental. But it's, it's, it's not a, you know, a purchase. It's, it's going to end up on Disney+, <laughs> Plus in like three months. Like, it's going to be it's another... A print, it's a purchase rental or a it's rental, early. as I it's like to call it. It's an early preview. It's an early preview of Mulan before it officially ends up on Disney+. Plus. That's what it is. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, and that was the other thing I was going to point out too. Is yeah. yeah, it will be on Disney Plus, so you could theoretically wait a few months and watch it on anyway. Disney Plus. You know, if they did this, if they did this like thirty years ago to Barbara Streisand movies, you could have had a parental of Yentl. You know what I'm saying? Wow, wow, that was. I was going to say that was a long walk, but it wasn't. It just felt like one. I applaud it. It just all the Potenkins. I give it all the Potenkins. Yeah, <laughs> all the Potenkins. Hey, I, I, honestly, I think that's the context with which. I want to view this because that's the key point, what Devinder mm -hmm. said about the fact that what this really is, is early access. Yeah. It's just early access. Like Disney plus sub subscribers are going to get Mulan. Yeah. They're just, they're just going to have to wait a little while for it. And that's truly, I think what the digital future, the big question to my mind, what the digital future is, not just with movies and, and, this kind of these kinds of services, but wealth was also with video games. That's what's going to happen with all this digitally distributed media. That's already is, happening in games. Yeah, absolutely already happening yeah. in games, and it's only going to get more intense, right? It's hey, do you want to be part of the open beta? Do you want to be part of the thing? You get you, the game is going to be X price, or the game is going to be part of Xbox Game Pass, or whatever it is. As these services get more subscription-y, you know, more Netflixy. Um, but hey. Do you want it early? And why won't, won't Netflix do that? Hey, you want that new Martin Scorsese movie that everybody's talking about? You want to watch that? You're going to be able to in three months. But right now, if you want it, mm. you're going to have to pay a little extra. Mm -hmm. I, I really think that's a trend that is going to increase. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, this is it's a new precedent. But also, let's say Disney does not treat its consumers very well, okay? Like, Disney as a company, their DVDs, always 10 to $15, you know, or Blu-rays, always much more expensive than everybody else. When they had that whole vault program, you know, they would take away movies, create false, you know, scarcity, and then, um, you know, bring them back as a special edition, you know, to re-release a movie who knows how many times. So I think Disney's very good at nickel and diming its consumers. Um, the, the big thing... Two, I think they kind of dug themselves into a hole, right? Because Disney Plus, pretty good value. Like they Hamilton, we got Hamilton a year early, didn't pay a thing. We got the Rise of Skywalker, or yeah, uh, a couple months early. Like it, it came much much earlier than it should have uh, for nothing. So we're also used to getting really good stuff for no cost, and now they're going to do this. So it's all very confusing. I think everyone's experimenting, but there's certainly a company that could, you know, shift the tide quite a bit with this. Yeah, the other thing so that's crazy to me is that I had an opportunity to go 
see Mulan in a movie theater. Oh man! And, and, and I didn't go because I thought, oh, yeah. they'll be you know, in a in a week I'll be able to go see it in the theater across the street from my house. No biggie. Yeah. And it literally was the week that COVID started. <laughs> Little did you know and it'd be the last movie premiere ever. The last movie yes, premiere, yeah. The world's last movie premiere. I have friends that went. I could have gone. <laughs> and I just went, no, I'm blissfully ignorant to the potential dangers of the world. This'll this'll it'll always be available to me. Nothing is ever gonna change. Knows, Jeff, that could have been a giant COVID party. So maybe you it, you it know, could have been. Maybe you lucked out yeah. there. Yeah. I don't think so. So uh, it's an interesting experiment. We'll see how well it does. I will just say I'm very, I, I, on a personal level, I'm very uh, torn about this because on the one hand, uh, I think all of Disney's remakes have been, or the vast majority of them have been soulless cash grabs like yeah. The Lion King, Aladdin. I thought those movies were just terrible movies. I, I really did not enjoy them at all. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, um, you finally had black and brown people in the lead roles of those classic properties, which is pretty meaningful, in my opinion. Um, that's, and uh, that's, that's it's something, but it also it's so damn devious, right? It is such a <laughs> it is such late stage. It's a poisoned chalice. Of basically. like, yeah, hey, we're, um, we're re-releasing this movie we made 20, 30 years ago. Uh, now it's slightly better, less problematic. Uh, therefore, pay again. It'll make a billion dollars again. We win. And culture wins, right? Culture wins when we make a billion dollars the Disney way. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, too. There were also reports of Disney uh, stopping their 4K disc production, which I think is also troubling and also kind of tied into this. Uh, I think the story is as long as um, anything outside of like the main Disney properties or Marvel movies uh, will not get 4K Blu-rays anymore moving yeah. forward. So that's that's troubling to me is like one of the few people who are actually buying those things. And I can imagine more studios are going to do that, too. Because you only buy it once, Devendra, instead yeah. of that sweet, sweet monthly fee that we want to keep you on the teat of. Yeah. So if you are interested in um, any 4K Blu-rays and specifically any Fox 4K Blu-rays, mm -hmm. buy them now because it's it's very likely they won't be around for that much longer. Um, and you know, yeah. make sure neither you get will that. the format though. So that's okay. <laughs> neither was civilization. It's, it's okay. And also that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's uh, going to be fewer and fewer ways to even play a 4k Blu-ray. So, you know, I mean, I guess we're getting new consoles that'll be able to support it, but yes. some of those, some versions of those consoles won't even have disc drives. So, you know, Hey, nothing matters. Nothing matters anymore. Speaking of, uh, the, industry transforming under our feet. A couple of other items that I think are worth mentioning. Number one is um, people have pointed out the theater consent decrees have been overridden. Uh, overridden, I should say. Uh, and uh, for, for those who don't know, basically for the last few decades, 70 or for the last 70 years or so, uh, there has been a uh, ruling that prohibits movie studios from controlling the exhibition of their movies, right? So uh, it, it prevents movie studios from owning and operating movie theaters, pretty right. much. That seems good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, in <laughs> April of 2018, the Justice Department announced it was going to review kind of legacy consent decrees put in place during the late 19th and 20th centuries. And oh, wait, wait, quick, before you go on, I, I kind of don't understand that, seeing as how I live in a city that has the El Capitan theater in it, which is owned and operated by Disney, isn't it? Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what the details of the El Capitan are, Jeff. Um, you know, you've heard of it though, right? It's, it's Disney's yeah, like 
owned and operated movie theater that has like special, they have special events. Uh, you go at big Disney movies, they have uh, lavish decorations, a pre-show with this organist who plays all Disney music. It's a big deal. I, I wonder if and it's, it's just like one theater because there are Sony theater, like New York has Sony theaters and things like that too. So. Yeah, I don't know the details of how all that works, but it seems like it's not super consistent. Well, so, f I mean, f Disney is not operating a chain, whatever the case is. Yes. Um, yes. But now it can <laughs> um, because <laughs> of this ruling. for everybody. Just right, in so time for no theaters to be operable anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you can imagine a world, though, in which, like, Disney opens its own theater chain mm -hmm. and charges twice as much money sure, to watch sure. Marvel movies. Jeff, as Jeff the right? only safe theater for you and your family is a Disney theater. Don't it you does trust sound Disney? Right. Do you <laughs> yes, trust I do. us to take care it of you and your family? They ha they've done nothing wrong with the theme parks, yeah. so I can't complain. <laughs> you will pay us whatever it takes to keep your family safe. Uh, uh, that is uh, a chilling uh, notion, Dave, the idea of these are the only theaters where you're going to get Marvel movies and Pixar movies mm -hmm. and Disney movies. These are the only ones. We have a monopoly. We This is our product. We're going to put it out in our house. Right. And if you want to see it, it's going to you're going to pay Disney prices. I, I think to a certain degree, though, that's like the the box office world would fall apart if that was the case. Right. Because they wouldn't be able to make enough money with tickets even once the world is back up and running. So I don't know if that necessarily will happen, but there are certainly a lot of bad things we could worry about. Yeah. Yeah, it's so basically it's it's just becoming more and more clear that if and when we do return to movie theaters, it's mm -hmm. going to be a different world that we return to, right? And um, who is to stop Disney from buying up a theater chain, creating its own theater chain? Now, there, there, there will be some advantages that come with this, I think, right? Like they can customize the experience to Disney, for instance. I'm not, and by the way, we should point out like I'm not aware of any plans they actually have to do this. Right, We're just right, right. hypothesizing here. Um, but they could like customize it to make it yeah, like yeah, even more yeah. premium, right? And like uh, you could pay, you know, a hundred dollars for like a premium Disney like experience and watch Disney movies that okay. you can only see in the Disney theater. Like that's it's very possible. It could be like it, th there could be good things that come from it. Like oh, right that now, does sound good. That does sound real good, Dave. <laughs> uh, uh, I, like, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not, but uh, I'm being extremely sarcastic. I think that that's you're basically describing the Disneyland Hotel. Yes, right, right, yes. right, right, right. Which is but like, but like a lot. Millions of people enjoy going to those things. Wouldn't you enjoy right. spending even more on concessions? Like, it's it's all amazing. Let me just say, this is all happening at a <laughs> terrible time, too, because every theater chain is in trouble. Like, AMC was on the brink of bankruptcy, basically. Yeah. Like, every everyone's in trouble. They all want some rich company to come help them, save them, buy them out, or something. And now the studios can do that. That is terrifying. Another bit of film news as well, which is this unprecedented deal. Like AMC originally was really angry at Universal um, for releasing <laughs> Trolls this story early, is great. but but it's then a they story. agreed yeah. to with Universal to shrink the theatrical window to 17 days. So originally it was around 90 days. Like you release a movie mm -hmm. in theaters, mo studios and theaters have an agreement. Yeah, you release a movie in theaters, then 90 days minimum. That's when you can put it on VOD. They, they, they have decided to shrink that window to 17 days for Universal movies. Um, now, I think the only reason the dominoes haven't fallen on this one yet is that there are no movie theaters right now in general. Right, right? right. Like, uh, the theoretically, there could be, you, you could imagine a world where there's like a free-for-all, like AMC Inc.'s deal with uh, Warner Brothers to shrink window to like 17 days, you know. Regal Inc.'s deal, et cetera. But like, it's just like, I, Jeff, I remember, what was the statement you used? Like, um, 
milkshakes on Mars or whatever it was. What was the statement? Right, like <laughs> I don't think it was that. But so it was like it was like good. It, but basically, it's like um, to quote, like to paraphrase Morgan Freeman from Seven. It's like you know we're like people lost on a desert island, like collecting diamonds, hoping that one day we'll be found. You know, yeah. um, it, it's like you're you're cutting all these deals in the hopes that one day everything will return to normal and you can like <laughs> go back to some level of normalcy. Um, yeah. But until that happens, like, who cares if the theatrical window is 17 days? You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, no, yeah, exactly. no one's going to theaters yeah. right now. So yeah. um, anyway, I d- it's it's really just <laughs> it's very, it's all, very great news session for all of us. All of that stuff happened in the last seven days, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I just said happened in the last seven days. So, uh, yeah, it's whatever happened, whenever, if and when we get out of this, if and when this podcast is still intact. It's it's gonna be different than when we started this whole situation, you know. Like it's the whole guys, thing is gonna be different. So, do you guys think that there will be a summer movie wager in twenty twenty one? Likely not one I, I am participating in. Yeah, I, I'm hopeful, but probably. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. I bleak, could see man. a scenario. I could see a scenario where, um, they uh, they develop some kind of like. Uh, hermetically sealed suit, mm-hmm. you know that I could <laughs> go to like the movie, movie theater. Movie, really. uh, that I, that I could go to the movie theater inside a hermetically sealed suit and not like yeah. worry about catching COVID. Or, you or know, like, like instant testing too. Like our testing stuff is just bad too. Like if we had better behavior and the ability to like really tell quickly if somebody was sick or not and like deny them from getting into something, then that would be it. But also that's a dark dystopian future. I don't want to live in. That's Brazil. We're living in Brazil. Basically <laughs> people walking around with like oxygen masks. Uh, it's, it's not gonna be long until then. The yeah. Dolby Atmos prophylactic. <laughs> the only way to protect yourself and get the premium audio experience. <laughs> All right, let's move on. to what we <laughs> I took a moment to imagine what that would look like. Sorry, yeah. I, was, I was just trying. I was just trying to leave a gap there for uh, for our sponsor, but uh, it's okay. Per, it's just, a just leave this all segue. In, leave this all perfect in. segue to a sponsor. No, yeah. no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No, that was good. Hey, it's time to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Quip. Oh my goodness, do I love Quip? You know, in this crazy world we're living in right now, this topsy turvy, don't want to leave my house world, I'm getting more and more stuff delivered to my house. I don't want to go out. I like the convenience of getting things delivered to me. Delivered. That's right. I said delivered because I can do more because it gets delivered. And you know what else I'm getting delivered? I'm getting my toothpaste. I'm getting my new brush heads. I'm getting great oral hygiene delivered to my house now. It's so convenient. It's so easy with my Quip subscription. My subscription. I get it delivered. My subscription! Uh, That is because I'm using the Quip. I'm loving the Quip. The Quip is so much better a toothbrush experience than any other toothbrush I've ever had in my life. That is not an exaggeration. That's just the facts. Because Quip lets me not have to worry about stuff. I don't have to worry about brushing for two minutes like dentists recommend because Quip keeps track of it for me. It pulses every 30 seconds, then turns itself off after two minutes. Now, I never brush for less than two minutes. I always brush for exactly two minutes, get the best oral care that I, my teeth, deserve. Also, don't have to worry about 
replacing my brush head every three months as dentists recommend because that subscription is coming to my house. It's so slick. It's got a little bag with a new battery for my Quip, a new brush head a, with, with bristles that feel great and fresh bristles every three months. I can't tell you. It is really a nice. It's quality of life. It improves your life. And it's got a new toothpaste in there. Cool little instructions to tell me how to take off the old brush head. Use the old brush head to clean the little bits. Put the new brush head on. Bing, bing, bing. I'm done very, very quickly. And now I've got that great anti-cavity toothpaste with delicious flavors like mint or watermelon. All the ingredients to actually give your teeth what they need and none of the ingredients that they don't. There's eco-friendly refillable floss with a dispenser you keep for life. This is this is the way to treat your teeth and not have to worry about stuff. And if you go to getquip.com slash filmcast right now, you'll get your first refill free. Wow, that's your first refill for free at getquip.com slash filmcast. Get it delivered. That's getquip.com slash filmcast. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Quip, the good habits company. Let's move on to what we've been watching this week. Uh, so I uh, watched a few things I want to mention. Uh, on HBO Max, I saw An American Pickle. Did you guys uh, hear about this movie? This is a new yeah. Seth Rogen movie. I also watched it. Uh, where he plays his great-grandfather, I believe, or grandfather, uh, uh, who comes to the uh, America in the early 20th century, uh, falls into a vat of pickle brine, and then emerges at his same age, only to meet um, his uh, progeny uh, many, many decades later. And it's that both characters are played by Seth Rogen. Uh, I think Seth Rogen does a great... The very best part of this movie, Dave, is the fact that they literally have a scene where a bunch of scientists are sitting in front of a chalkboard and they're like, yep, it all checks out. It all works. No need to worry about it. No need to think about it beyond this. He fell into pickles and now he's fine. It's like... I love the like lip service to the, well, I, the wacky. I actually think you're. I actually think you're like underplaying how well it's. It actually took place. Is is like there's a voiceover narration basically, and people were like asking like, well, how did the you know how did the brining work? That doesn't make any sense at all. And then the voiceover says the scientists then explained it, and it all checked out. And it's like, and you see yeah. the scientists explaining, and then everyone nods, kind of thing. And it's it's yeah. it's a great kind of reference to that idea of like needing to come up with some explanation but obviously the you know the movie is very silly in its premise <laughs> to begin with and so they just decide not to deal with it um i thought this movie was fine jeff i i think seth rogan <laughs> is really great in it uh i think like he he plays the two roles really well he has like a great accent playing his his grandfather character and there's very interesting ideas uh of you know, the most interesting idea to me that was brought up in the movie and not really explored very much is um, the idea that to somebody who comes from, you know, the world of a hundred years ago, um, even a relatively like lower to middle class person in modern day, uh, the, the the amenities in which they are offered are mind blowing, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Right. Just like the daily, you know, running water and soda streams and TVs and Alexas and all this stuff. Like, it, it just. I like how you get a soda streams as the high point well, it's of a modern big, technology. It's yeah. a big part of the movie. It's, it's a, a very big part, big part of the movie. Of the movie. Yeah, but. Because but, um, all, the, all the character wants, all the uh, 100 year old character wants is a seltzer 
yeah. then, you know, we, we can get seltzer anytime you want. It's no problem. That's true. Yeah. Um, That's true. Yeah. Listen, I don't know if you guys have had soda streams, but they are life changing until you get to replace <laughs> the damn tank. And then it's like, it, it's just like buying seltzer. Come on. I would, I would go farther than you on a number of points, Dave. One of which is Seth Rogen is extraordinary in this movie. It's <laughs> He's like, great. He's great. it's yeah. like you're watching modern sort of actor Seth Rogen in a movie with like freaks and geeks, Seth Rogen, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like early Seth Rogen is in this movie and also this, this character, this, this <laughs> character brought to life by Seth. Look, it's, it's extraordinary. I mean, he has a full beard that doesn't look to me like prosthetics. It looks to me like he had a full beard and they shot all the fur, full beard stuff. And then he shaved the full beard, uh, which is so the visual difference between the two characters is amazing. And it really feels more than almost any of these kinds of movies where the same actor plays two parts. It really feels like two completely different people throughout. I, I, I couldn't believe how effective that illusion was. But also, I would say the thing that you said is the most interesting part it is it's a crime that this movie isn't about, right? It, it has it has no it doesn't care about the most interesting stuff that this movie conjures. Which I, is, I would argue. I would argue that the movie is not strongly about anything. Unfortunately, you know, like there's, it's there's a, just, it's like a jokey comedy about this competition that arises between them, and I couldn't care less about the competition that arises between them. It's a it's such a plotty, uh, banal topic to spend the movie on when you've got this premise that yes is ridiculous, but okay, I bought in and could be super fascinating. It could be really interesting to go in a hundred years, look how far humanity has come. How would it be if you hung out with a hundred year old, not version of you, but ancestor to you? That is a fascinating idea. And it could be, you could talk a whole lot about the things that we take for granted in the world and the things that perhaps, you know, a hundred years ago, we we don't recognize as being important and it, there's a whole lot of wonderful deeper stuff that this movie could have been about yeah. and it just doesn't care it doesn't care about any of that it's here to make a kind of a goofy comedy about two characters like the plot that this movie is which is these two characters competing against each other could be done without any of the generational shit right like that that yeah. stuff is is just you know, accidental is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, incidental, coincidental? incidental, excuse me. Yes. Yeah. Incidental in the telling of this tale. It is, yeah. it is, it's, it could have been about, like, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you were about as disappointed with this movie as I was, which is that, well, I, uh, I, you said it was fine. I, I don't even think it's fine. I oh, think it's wow. bad. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. I think it's yeah, a waste. I, it's a waste. It's yes, like, no, no, for sure. It is a bunch of unrealized potential, but I don't think it's bad. I mean, it, it is, I would argue, mildly pleasant and diverting, but it's it's not more than that. And uh, it's too bad because, yeah, you do see glimmers of his really huge potential in the earlier part of the, it, like, oh my gosh, like so many interesting directions this could go in, you know, and it yeah. ultimately doesn't go in any of them. It's um, like the, what's the Beatles movie that we talked about a while back? Um, yesterday. Yesterday, Yesterday, you know, like that movie also isn't bad, but it it, it makes it I feel like it's bad because it's such a wasted opportunity. And I kind of feel like this is not as brilliant a premise as yesterday was, but it's disappointing. 
it's hugely disappointing. And it's just a way, like the entire third act. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, who cares about any of this stuff? I don't know. It just, it's very yeah. disappointing. Uh, I'd agree with you that it's disappointing. Again, doesn't live up to its full potential. The movie is an American pickle, but Seth Rogen in this movie is great. It's it's worth checking out. I would say it's worth checking out just to watch like the first like ten minutes of the movie because mm -hmm. he's so good well, in it. You get to see the, first, and, the yeah. first ten minutes is the best part of the movie. It's like, the best all part of the, the like eighteen yeah. nineteen stuff in, in yes. the movie when it's 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 sort of at its most broad and the jokes are the most sort of wacky and and um, almost like it's almost like a cartoon at the beginning, which is fun. Yeah, yeah, it's delightful. So. Uh, anyway, for, watch the beginning of I'm, an I'm sorry, an American pickle. Check it out. Uh, the rest of it, if you think uh, it's something you might be interested in. But Jeff and I thought it was a little bit disappointing. We both watched it on HBO Max. Speaking of HBO Max, I do want to mention I watched the first episode of Lovecraft Country. Uh, this is a show that's premiering this weekend, and this is interesting. I got an email from people who rep HBO. They said, "Hey, mm -hmm. we we want to see if you want to come check out Lovecraft Country." And they sent. And me you were like, only if my two co-hosts can come as well. <laughs> That's my stipulation. Yeah, yeah. Mm. that's what uh, happened, right? Actually, I, I didn't. I don't recall writing that email, but I might have. I might have. <laughs> um, and they sent me. Listener, it did not. They they sent. <laughs> yeah. They sent me uh, not only um, the like kind of uh, well, they sent me this this uh, box of um, of stuff and. Uh, oftentimes, people promoting movies and such will will send you like uh, promotional packages, right? I assume you both have received these, right? It's like sure, Je yeah. Jeff. I think you got one for uh, for Glass, right? The M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, it's movie, right? actually yeah, yeah. Did. two that feet was, away from me right now. That was wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, and and by the way, yeah, it is it is pretty random which ones of the three of us gets invited. I didn't. <laughs> I did not get a glass box. Okay, um, but I, I got but a Lovecraft Country box. I I refuse to open this. <laughs> if my co-hosts don't get these, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's the game I played. And that's why this box is still unopened sitting next to me. That's why. That's why. Um, <laughs> Jeff, you should open so, it. There's a live animal in that box. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. That that's makes a whole lot of sense now. That's where the mouse came from. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the, the classic glass mouse that they sent to everyone. Yeah. So uh, they sent me uh, probably one of the best one of these promotional packages I've ever received. I've received a bunch of different ones in the past, and this is amazing because um, they it was pro basically products that were made and or sold by black owned businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know these these kits are like really expensive to produce, and so uh, it was nice that they're kind of putting their money where their mouth is in terms of promoting this story that centralizes the black experience in many ways. Um, and they sent out this box that had, um, you know, uh, all these great products from black owned mm -hmm. businesses um, so that those businesses are benefiting. And then they had this thing called a digital online premiere where you basically uh, oh, adopt. Uh, yep, I guess. Thanks, Jeff. Um, and you basically go online <laughs> uh, and watch the movie at the same time as everyone else in, in a browser, pretty much. Uh, and. Uh, afterwards, they're like, here, you know, here's a bunch of assets, like uh, photos and gifts and stuff. You can tweet about your experience. Use hashtag Lovecraft Country, that kind of stuff. And it's it to did... commemorate your DOP. <laughs> anyway, it did feel kind <laughs> of uh, uh, like I was glimpsing what might be not necessarily the future, but like the next few years of what these online premieres might look like. You know, you think we'll all be dopping? <laughs> like it's like nonstop dop. <laughs> 
It's like dop, 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 all over the place. Just dops. Just like follow the dops. All right. Um, so I'll just That's say that the first episode. episode over. It's done. <laughs> the first episode uh, of Lovecraft Country was pretty awesome. Uh, and I have to recommend that you watch it. I, uh, it was very stressful to watch it, but I was, uh, I was moved. I was thrilled. Uh, I'm not going to reveal anything about the plot because, uh, I don't want to spoil anything at all. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't, uh, read the book, uh, haven't heard of this property, definitely check it out when it premieres on HBO. I think on August 16th is when the first episode's premiering. So Dave, in in all seriousness, it was was the uh, experience of of the DOP. Was it different than just like clicking on a link and watching a thing? Did it feel like you were part of a moment that was only? Would, did you feel like it was a shared experience that you were having? Like if you went to an actual premiere? Okay, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm about to reveal something that you know is going to get <laughs> really. You guys are going to really oh boy. not like me after this. But basically, um, they not only send you um, the. They not only well, sent me. Like, before the, you say this, Dave, <laughs> let me just tell you, I've been incredibly excited for this show. Perhaps uh, like anticipating it more than either of you. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, please mm-hmm. go on. Yeah. So they not only sent me um, the, uh, the like a ticket for the premiere. They actually gave me two additional tickets to give to friends. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Okay. And, I like where um, the story's going. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but I, I did not give them to you guys. <laughs> wow. Because I, I gave them to other people that were my yeah. friends. Um mm. because you know, uh. you guys yeah, those were your friends, apparently. <laughs> we are not anymore. Uh, I mean wow. I'm I'm legitimately shocked by this. <laughs> like you didn't think it would be useful to have your two co not a, reg- Setting aside the friendship or non-friendship <laughs> element, you didn't think that you had three tickets to a thing, and there are three people on our podcast, and it wouldn't be useful for all three of us to have seen it at the same time. It's like, huh? That's an interesting number. You, you know, <laughs> when you say, you know, when you say it like that, um, it does sound quite like an oversight yeah. on my part. You know, it does sound like quite an oversight. On my Screener part. code, Dave. I, yeah. All, all for I, us, basically. I'm the bad guy for going on a dop rant for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here, here is, uh, here is my rationale: is there is plenty of things that I actually do share with you guys, um, offers for like you know um, free Blu-rays and stuff like that. That like I often insist that like all three of us get to that kind of stuff. Um, but this is a case, and also like um, we're all. It's like we're all gonna get to watch it anyway. It's true, um, it's true. We, we, this we are we are used to getting tons of the yeah, least ahead. effort on your part, Dave, to uh, <laughs> to get us access to this. And uh, this is the time you drop the ball. Wow. Well, I'll, I'm just going to say that I, I gave it to people who aren't used to getting these things <laughs> no, that's cool. uh, at, that's cool. at all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I bet they were thrilled. Well, they were. They were because yeah, because no, this would have been and- this would have been one thing out of like 50 things you got to see you know for free and early this year and it was like for them it's like one out of one thing you know what i mean it's weird though because it's you know my job to uh (laughs) talk about those things with you in fact uh yeah well uh, jeff let's pick something that they (laughs) will not get to see and we'll talk about it next time okay yeah Yeah. we're gonna do that yeah i mean 
Uh, and you won't, you won't even know what it is until <laughs> we start talking about it. All right, guys. You know, I, I, I do feel bad, but just I just I'm just trying to explain that there was a rationale for it, uh, mm. even though that rationale was obviously very terrible. But the re- <laughs> but the reason I I say all that is because basically the way it worked was. You open a browser window, and on the left side of the window is the the video of the show. And on the right side, you're supposed to turn on your webcam and microphone, and you'd see the other people in the window there. Like, and you, so you're all like, like watching that. together, like what? on a Zoom. No, only is it only your friends that you invited, yes, or that's everyone? Correct. That's correct. <laughs> it's not everyone. That's, it's, it's only the other people that you hmm. invited. And so, it, was, it, it was super weird because the box on their windows said Devendra and Jeff under them <laughs> as if the company had set this up specifically. Yeah. I just told my friends to ignore those, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, um, <laughs> sorry, guys. Next next time. Also, guys, it's going to be out in five days. It's going to be out in five days. I'm so, so disappointed we'll, right now. Well, I'll, oh. be able to watch. <laughs> I'll be able to watch it. Um, all right. Well, Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country is very good. Check it out on HBO Max. Devinger Hardo, what have you watched this week? <laughs> Apparently not Lovecraft Country. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Wow. Okay, I'm recovered. I'm recovered. (laughs) Oh, man. Let me take a drink of something here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here's my ass. Perfect. Okay. Sorry, I had to do it. It was so easy. Yeah. <sighs> no, oh. no, for sure. You, 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 I deserve to be dunked on for this, so I'm okay with that. It's I'm pretty okay good. Okay. Okay. After that, after that, you know what? I've been watching <laughs> I'll Be Gone in the Dark on HBO. And not HBO Max, I guess, just normal HBO. And this is the documentary about uh, Michelle McNamara's book and investigation into the Golden State Killer, um, uh, written and I think partially directed by Liz Garbus. And this this show is phenomenal. It is it is very good. Like I've been meaning to read this book. I've been fascinated by her story. Um, if you don't know, she you know she passed away before she could finish this book. But a lot of her work and a lot of the like investigative investigations she basically started led to police actually finding the golden state killer so it's it's completely completely wild um the show is an exploration of like what was driving her and kind of how it affected her family too like she she was married to Patton oswalt and he gives a good inside look into what she was going through um it's fascinating it's gruesome because you're you're just listening to people who've basically been, you know, this guy was the East Side rapist, you know, for several decades and just like terrifying people and terrifying couples and then just went out and started killing couples. It's all very gruesome stuff, but I think the show is fascinating and listening to her 
um, yep, just seeing the bits of her because there was some footage of her like going out and talking to people and recording some bits and you know people she's worked with. It, it's also fascinating. It is hard to watch. And Jeff, I would recommend. I know you saw the first episode. Yeah, the last couple episodes. Oh man, like where they go into basically the moment she died and kind of how they how that affected all of them and how her colleagues rallied together and just finished this book in her honor and in her name. It's incredibly moving, but it's really, it's just a really hard thing to watch right now, especially for new parents. It's just an unimaginable thing. Um, yeah, she had a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. She had a daughter. Um, yeah. yeah. So the show is incredible. It's, it's a hard watch, but I think it's really well worth it. And I'll be sure to check out the book. Um, we were like, I was suggesting like, maybe we should just review this for an episode, but honestly, I do not want to put Jeff through that right now. Uh, (laughs) there, there's too much, you know, darkness in the world, but this is a well done documentary of this material. Yeah. I saw the first episode and, uh, one of the things that I find so amazing, I don't know if this changes over the course of the series, but certainly in the first episode, I was struck by how amazing it seemed like a very difficult task. They managed to kind of make the the documentary seemed like it was in her words. Yeah. Like yeah. used a lot of uh, archival audio from her and it it felt like almost how you would make this documentary if she was still alive. Like you would use her narrating it and using her talking about her, you know, her methods of investigation. And it, it was kind of amazing that they managed to pull that off even without her being able to contribute. So that was impressive. But yeah, the, and, and I loved all the stuff about her and it, there was a lot about her. Like she, she seemed like a, such a, an extraordinary person, a, a, a beacon of light in a lot of people's lives and a really charming, fun, funny person. But man, you know, one of the points that the first episode makes is how prolific an evil this killer, this rapist was yeah, yeah. and how few people know about him. And I'm one of those people. I grew up in Contra Costa County. I Whoa. was I was born right as that all was happening. Uh-huh. The the areas they go to in Walnut Creek in some of those areas like that's where I grew up. Yeah, that that may freak you out even more, Jeff, if you keep watching well, cuz no, I had no idea yeah. about any of this. No one talked about it. Like they wow. they talked to the police commissioner of Walnut Creek. I'm like or the detective or whatever. I'm like that's nuts. I that's where I was born and raised, and I had no idea about any of this. And it really is like cartoon horror. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. Mm-hmm. If you saw, if you heard a description of this person in a movie, you'd be like, "That's eh, a little too far." That seems a little too like what this. It, it is what you in your wildest nightmare would think was possible and then you go no no one i can yeah. rest easy because no one would actually do that made real basically yeah. like th- this guy like he, was one of the first people who inspired a lot of you know a lot of the stuff venture ended up making so yeah, yeah. like him, him going into houses beforehand and preparing things like yeah. setting up horrible um restraints and stuff under the bed so that he can just be there and pull them out when he needs them. like insanely horrific terrifying notions that yeah, that, you know, it, even, it's not for the faint of heart. Even for little sure. things, too, like he would, you know, restrain people and tie people up and just like go have a sandwich in their kitchen, like yes. just live in their house. And to me, that is the more subtly terrifying thing, too. And yes, yeah, certainly 
put yeah, plates on the put plates on someone's back and say mm -hmm. if I hear this plate hit the floor, I'm killing your wife. Like mm -hmm. just just diabolical evil. It is um so yes, uh, yeah. I watched the first episode and was like, I don't think I can take more yeah. of this Jeff, as much you, as I it, appreciate this hit it. Hit the news a couple of years ago. Did you hear like when these investigations started back up? Or oh yeah, you, okay, okay. I mean, as a Patton Oswalt fan, right, <laughs> really, right. that's was my way into it, right? Because yeah. it was his wife, and it made news, and he was associated with it. And his stand-up special where he talks about her mm -hmm. is very moving, and I recommend to everybody as so well. Yeah. And he talks about his daughter and the effect of of dealing with her death. And so I was familiar with that, and I was familiar with like her you know, real citizen detective work, which is amazing. It's amazing that someone would be that obsessed and, and committed and actually solve something that the police weren't able to. Uh, so that is inspiring. All of that is very impressive. But yeah, it just the details of it and how detailed the documentary was, even in the first episode, I felt like I just, I can't put myself through this, sadly. I hear you. All right. Um, well, this is something we almost considered reviewing on this podcast, but I think it was we were concerned about whether we could make it through all six hours. Uh, given you, how you will like you will. It's easy to watch. Like it's incredibly addictive. But man, yeah, I, I would not want to put you guys through that unless you really wanted to do it. The show is "I'll Be Gone in the Dark," and it's on HBO Max. And uh, you guys, you guys both watched it without me this week, so I think mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. Or already yeah. even, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't. Um, <laughs> if you own cats, there's probably something you've noticed every summer. They just tend to get really stinky, or at least their litter boxes do. That's why I really enjoy using Pretty Litter. It's cat litter that gets delivered right to your doorstep. Uh, you don't have to go to the pet store anymore to look back a 10 or 20 pound box. It's very light, uh, it uses ultra-absorbent crystals to trap odor, and it lasts up to a month. And one of the good things, too, is that it's pretty safe for your cat. There aren't as many irritants as there are in traditional litters. It's very easy to take care of overall, and it's pretty dust-free, too, which I really appreciate. And the really cool thing is that Pretty Litter can also help to check if your cat has an illness. It changes colors if they have a urinary tract infection or kidney issues. That's something normal clay litter can't do. And, you know, you get it all at your door every month. You don't have to go to the store. It's pretty great to me. So save yourself. Make it a no-stink summer with Pretty Litter today by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code FILMCAST for 20% off of your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code FILMCAST for 20% off. prettylitter.com, promo code FILMCAST. Jeff Kanata, what have you watched this week? Well, on the entirely opposite end of that spectrum, uh, I am still on this kick of sort of uh, vicarious traveling shows. Uh, you know, I've been it's talking about them kick. the last few weeks. Yeah. Oh, it's essential right now. It really is. It's very much comfort viewing for my wife and myself. Uh, we, like I said, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago that one of the great joys of our relationship when we first met has, was traveling. We love traveling. And yes, you know, having children made that more difficult, but now it is impossible. And so we have tried to live a little vicariously by watching some travel shows, those kind of wonderful. And, and we also love um, you know, home decor. We love home design. We, you know, I, I think I've mentioned also that we go to, used to go to open houses as a, as just a kind of a hobby, a fun thing to go see houses that are for sale in our area. Well, I talked about the world's most extraordinary homes on Netflix. I talked about home on the Apple TV plus. You finally made it, it to the granddaddy show, Jeff. 
Like, yeah, grand designs. I, yeah. I just wasn't even aware of this show, and someone recommended to me on Twitter. Thank you. Uh, by the way, I did. I, I went on a riff on Twitter or somewhere. Or maybe it was a show. It was on this how, show about how you couldn't find the, people's tweets. Yeah, and Danish, who's going to come up a lot, honestly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he uh, he recommended that we have a hashtag for when we uh, when when someone needs to recommend something. That's good to yeah. us to watch. That's what so we should come up with a good would do. You know. That's what an organized show would do. We should come up with like slash watch or slash <laughs> recommend. I don't know. I don't know. Watch. <laughs> slash. Here you go. I don't know what our, we need to go. We need to decide was, on this. Jeff, yeah, I just was expecting, you know, I mean, Jeff's limericks are like quite frequently very, very witty. So I was like, ooh, what's Jeff going to come up with this time? And you just said slash watch. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> Or, or Jeff, hear me out. Just favorite or bookmark the tweets. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's no. we have established. That's not, not effective. Yeah. yeah. No, we need a slow. We need a hashtag. A hashtag. We need to come up with a hashtag slash. Um, r- recommend. I know that's long. That's too long. I don't know. Slash, slash picks. Yeah. Slash rec. <laughs> slash rec. Uh, Danish recommend Jeff Definitely Rex not Twitter. make it slash picks. I'm going to say that right now because that means something else. Okay. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we can. <laughs> you yeah. might maybe get some things we don't want. Just yeah. um, Red Hot Chili Pepper fans. Like, that's yeah. terrible. It's going to be insane. Anyway, um, Grand Designs was recommended to me by someone that I I don't remember. So I apologize for you if you're out there as the person because this system is not effective. But um, it's a weird thing. Grand Designs, of course, is a British show that has been going on evidently forever. It's a weird thing on Twitter, on uh, Twitter, on Netflix, there are two seasons yep. of Grand Designs available, yep. season 10 and season 15. That seems weird. But of course, you know, these type of shows are all, you know, uh, individual looks at one house, one the process of making one house. So it doesn't really matter, but it is still weird. Like, I'd love to know what, what decision brought that on. Um, but... I watched a number of them with my wife and Grand Designs is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it just shows you, in my opinion, how much better the Brits are at making stuff like this. Because if you compare it to an HGTV show, which I've had a number of friends be on, HG, uh-huh. you know, be, the, be, the, be the featured uh, home on, you know, House Hunters or whatever. And when you hear the stories of how these shows are actually made, it's all bullshit. Right, you know, it's right. all faked you know they all already knew which house they were going to pick because they were already living in it when they started and they just pretend yeah they just pretend to choose they pretend to to deliberate over three picks it's all and they they shoot one corner that doesn't have furniture in it or they move all the furniture in the in the the corner (laughs) to make it seem like there's nobody there it's all fake Uh, i don't know it's a word i can't use anymore it's all smoke and mirrors now but this show seems to be the real deal because it's literally shot. Each episode yeah. is literally shot over the course of years. Documentary they're style. Che- it's insane. Yes, they're checking in on these the process of these houses being built or refurbished or whatever they do to them over multiple years. I and don't know how the show is made. It's insane. Yeah. It must be like this massive juggling act of like, well, we're shooting something for three seasons from now or we're shooting something and we don't know when they'll be done. So maybe it'll be this season. Maybe it'll be next season. Who knows? It just must be a a wild production nightmare. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, but it is fascinating and it makes for much more interesting journeys because oftentimes there'll be multiple years of them checking in or he'll, you know, the host will go and visit someone and, and they'll be like, yeah, we're going to be done in six months. And he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, we're going to be done in six months. He's like, no. Yeah. And then it'll be like two years later, they still can't get financing. The, you know? the, story, the story is that every homeowner is wildly optimistic and also yeah. always thinks they know more than their architect and builder. So a lot of it's just you sitting back and watching as they, you know, screw up their house and, you know, spend all their savings and somehow have several kids like in the process yeah. of building. This. Yeah. It's, it's wild. It's great. It is wild. And it's great, great watching, man. I'm also struck by how often they literally just don't finish. They're like, well, <laughs> that's as far as they got. And then yeah. they ran out of money. And that's the end of our episode. And really, it could have been an amazing house, but they fucked it up. So here we go. It's uh, it's amazing. Um, but there are uh, a couple of episodes in particular. I think episode five of season, season 10, if I remember correctly, is would be a great first episode for anybody if they really want to get the best experience of the show, which I highly recommend grand designs on Netflix. Uh, episode five of season 10 is this central London water tower that is like <laughs> 10, 11 stories high. And these dudes decide to turn it into their house. They make it into a house. It is unbelievable. It costs them like 2 million pounds to turn it into a house, but it, it, it literally is turning into this industrial water tower building that is 150 years old into this spectacular home. It's a single family home. It's wild. Um, so that's a great one to jump on. But man, you really can pick and choose any episode of Grand Designs. And I, I think I'm really digging all these shows, all three of them that I've mentioned, but I think this one is is maybe the, the best of the Do bunch. Do they have the, there was, I saw one that was the Cinema Restoration House. I think that one was on Netflix, but you could probably just find it. Oh, that I haven't too. seen that one. But it's literally, I've, it's I've only old, watched about five so far, okay. but. It's great, but somebody took like an old 1920s movie house and just like, okay, we're going to keep the facade, but you know, redo everything. So I forget where I saw that, but that one was fantastic. Well, the first episode of season 10 is literally a castle in Scotland. And this <laughs> yeah. dude's like, I'm going to make this castle into my house. Good luck. And fails and fails. It's just crazy. It's so, <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's really, um, perfect, you know, watching for these days when, you know, I just kind of want something easy breezy and get, I can look at a thing and live vicariously. Imagine what it must be like to live there. And in those places, it's cool. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to check this out, Jeff, as usual, you you've, you've motivated me to check it out. So, uh, the show's Grand Designs, and it is on, or a couple seasons of it are on Netflix, right? Yeah, I don't know the story, honestly, of the British show. Like, how many seasons are there? Because it's yeah. kind of even hard to understand. I think one of them's from 2017, and one's from, like, 2015. But it'll be like, they'll start an episode, and it'll be like, 2010. You know, and they'll be, like, <laughs> hanging out and talking, like, oh, what are you going to do here? And here's the lot I bought, and I'm going to build this thing. And it'll be like, 2012 it's like well we still haven't been able to build anything you know it's just it's such a long uh period of time that each episode takes place in. it's really cool uh all right again the show's grand designs we'll check it out by the way i just wanted you to know uh i have tweeted out from the slash filmcast account uh a request for people to come up with hashtags for what to recommend oh good um Good. So hopefully, I'm by sure the we'll end, get those just in time for us not to put them in this episode. Well, hopefully, hopefully someone responds by the end of the episode, all so right. yeah. uh, we can you can kind of get it out there. So listen all the way to the end of the episode, and maybe we'll be able to give give you a hashtag to use to recommend Jeff stuff, so he doesn't uh, forget where it's coming from. 
Or all three of us, really. All three uh, of us. No, maybe just you. Maybe just you. All right. Um, all right. You don't need recommendations. You get invites for private dots from your from your super special studio friends. I get it. <laughs> All righty, let's move on. Before we get to uh, our review of She Dies Tomorrow, we got a couple of other segments coming up. We got to thank all the do- people who donated to the podcast this week. Thanks so much to Rebecca Nicodemus, who's donating on behalf of Jesse Nicodemus in celebration of their 17th anniversary. Wow. That's amazing. 17 years. Congratulations, Jesse and Rebecca. Congratulations, uh, I, indeed. I, I know Rebecca's been listening for quite a while. Um, so, And I assume Jesse is. Otherwise, he wouldn't hear this, right? So uh, thank you both for listening. Really appreciate it. Thanks also to Julie Berkman for donating. We also had some people who started donating at a set amount per month. James Duvall, Joshua Pohl, Connor Holt, and Jonathan Dwinell. If you'd like to support the Slash Filmcast, you can always go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. Or go to slashfilm.com, click on the Slash Filmcast tab, use the PayPal links on the side of the page. Never donate if it in any way causes you any hardship whatsoever. But if you'd like to throw some cash our way, we really do appreciate it, especially during these times. Let's get to uh, a relatively new segment we're doing on the podcast, Weekly Plugs. Now, that theme music you just heard uh, was theme music that was sent to the podcast unsolicited. So good. By Noah Ross from Brooklyn. So good. Thank you so much for the weekly plug music, Noah. Um, I don't know Thank if we you, can Noah. use that whole thing. Why every not? Week, but we'll cut, we, we, we might cut it down. Um, nah. It's too good. Uh, maybe so. Maybe so, Jeff. Uh, I think you might be right about that. Okay, uh, weekly plugs. This is a segment each week where we just plug something uh, that we have either been doing that we want you to check out or uh, maybe something that uh, we weren't a part of that we just think uh, is cool and is worth uh, highlighting. So uh, I made a YouTube video this week to try to brighten people's day. A couple YouTube videos, actually. But like the one I want to mention is uh, uh, my brother and his wife are pregnant. And I uh, filmed... um, my myself and also my brother and his wife giving my parents that news. Uh, wow! And so I, I got the reaction, and it was a great reaction. And um, I just hope it gives people a little bit of a, a little bit of a smile, a little bit of hope in these uh, extremely challenging times we're living in right now. Um, but yeah, check it out. It's on my YouTube channel at YouTube.com/slash Dave Chensky, and I'll also link to it in the show notes. <laughs> you, you know, Dave, I love that you did that. It, it sounds like a great thing. Let me just say, I, I don't know if every parent would react in the way you'd want. Like, oh, you know? tr- trust me, trust me, Devendra. There's a lot of stuff I cut out of the reaction video. I, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure. But uh, I, I did do a group call with my parents when we were announcing Sophia, and my, you know, I wanted them to be super excited, and they, they yep. weren't quite. It takes a while for immigrant parents to really like, yep. rev up those emotion emotions. Yep. Gotta go through like yep. gear one, gear two, gear three. And I think it hits yep. them at some point. So yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Every a hundred percent agree with everything. So like all David reality Red. television, this video is a lie. Thank you, David. <laughs> 
it's more like it's more like when you when you drop some news on that yeah, like, like yeah. that on on an immigrant parent it's like okay how is this going to be a travesty in what way is this going to be a travesty <laughs> yes um yes. and uh but yes it, it, it is an edited okay. down version of their reaction okay uh, perfect so, so check it out anyway Devendra Harder, <laughs> what what uh, what do you, what's your weekly plug this week uh, my plug is, uh, I, so I wrote up that thing in Engadget. It's called Disney Has No Idea What It's Doing with Mulan. Um, just go read it. Read my argument. I, I feel like there's some stuff we didn't really bring up here, but I also shot a video of it. That's also on YouTube. And if you want to check out my living room, which is where I'm staging a bunch of videos now, uh, you could go check that out. Cool. Cool. Um, and how about you, Jeff? Well, you heard us mention Danish earlier, a uh, friend of the show, my friend, great guy. Uh, he's getting he's getting more appearances on this show than than some of us uh, at this point. He probably was one of the people Dave invited to watch <laughs> things with him online. I don't know. He's a anyway. He uh, it was my birthday last week, and he did something that really surprised me and. I was moved and shocked, and uh, it bowled me over, frankly. He got me a cameo appearance from one of my favorite wrestlers. I'm, you know, I often mention on the show, I'm sort of a semi closeted wrestling fan, WWE wrestling fan. And uh, the hardcore legend Mick Foley is on cameo, Aww. and Danish got me a message from Mick Foley, a personalized message from Mick Foley. Uh, wishing me a happy birthday, and it was great. It brought tears to my eyes. It was really special. And for a while now, people have told me about this cameo thing, and uh, and they said, "Oh, you know, Jeff, you should do limericks on cameo." And I was like, "Ah, this sounds tacky. I don't." When, know. You, when you say people, you mean Dave Chen. <laughs> And, and I'm not real. I don't really remember specifically who it was, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but uh, it was somebody that <laughs> I'm not even sure if it was a friend. It was so somebody. <laughs> Somebody mentioned that I should uh -huh. do it. I deserve it. I deserve that. Okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, anyway, I, 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 I just felt like it might be tacky. I don't know. But now having had the experience of receiving a cameo and really being genuinely moved by it and having someone speak right to me, a personalized video right to me, I'm sold on this concept of cameo. So I'm announcing right now. That I am on Cameo, <laughs> come what may. <laughs> uh, I don't. I certainly would not consider myself as worthy a subject as Mick Foley to be on Cameo. But I do know that I have gotten a number of requests since I started doing limericks on the show. Uh, for limericks, for personalized messages of all kinds from people for, for birthdays or for anniversaries or what have you. And uh, so this is a way to be able to formalize that and maybe also, you know, compensate my time a bit. Um, so if you want a personalized limerick from me, for whatever reason, I am now at your service on the Cameo app. It is available both on Android and on iOS. Uh, I guess the price is higher on iOS because... Uh, they charged uh, the Apple wants their cut, mm -hmm. um, but uh, I'm there and I'm I'm willing to write you an original limerick based on the the uh, information that you give me about your message, and we'll see how this goes. You know, I may I may collapse under the weight of uh, <laughs> limerick writing. It may be my new vocation, or nobody may want this at all, and we'll see who was right, me 
or whoever it was that suggested I do this. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, my prediction is Jeff is going to be overwhelmed by the number of requests because everyone's going to want this. And Jeff, you might want to start. You might want to think about capping this. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to. Um... Well, I'll just uh, crank that price up. <laughs> so get in, yeah, yeah. get in on the ground floor yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. It's cheap. For every Jeff, for every person that buys a limerick, increase the price five dollars. That's what you've got to do. <laughs> All right, we're we're currently at five dollars. No, uh, <laughs> it's a little more expensive than that. I, you know, it, th- this is something that I actually do spend a lot of time on. I don't, I don't just uh, do these willy nilly. I actually put a lot of thought into them despite what it may seem on the show. Uh, so I'm hoping that this makes people happy. Honestly, if I can uh, put a smile on someone's face like Mick Foley put on my face, then I feel like it's worthwhile. And uh, it, it truly made my day to get that message. Um, and, and if there's anybody who you know enjoys the limericks and it would make their day to hear a limerick about them in my voice with my video, then I'm, uh, I would be honored to do that. So check me out on the Cameo app. Uh, you can download Cameo. I think you can get it on in a browser as well. I don't think you need the app, but there's an app for it. Uh, it's C-A-M-E-O Cameo. And I'm and just search for me, I guess, Jeff Canada. And we'll link to his profile in the show notes as well. Um, yeah. uh, I'm really excited for how well this does, Jeff. Um, and I'm going to be launching my own, not Cameo, but something similar in the near future. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But Watch a movie to- with Dave. He's got tickets. Watch <laughs> a movie with Dave. <laughs> Uh, okay, we've already gotten some responses to the question about hashtags. Okay, let me uh, let me send these. Uh, uh, let me share these with you guys. So you see what you think in real time. Hashtag slash film jury says Casey Wright. Um, mm-hmm. Hashtag slash pick by Wesley Burleson. Um, hashtag slash film wreck. Paydar Benson Bates and Frederick uh, T has one that I I kind of like. It's just a, hashtag slash this. Ooh. Oh, I like Any, slash this. Slash this, Good. like slash. It's like watch this, but like yeah. slash. Yeah, this. slash this. S L A S H. I mean, it's kind of violent sounding, you know. Slash this, but it's also not clear. Like, yeah, that that would be the hashtag you attribute, so we see it. So anybody else seeing it, like, yeah, it's a little unclear. Slash this. That being said, that being said, very few. I'm looking over like the history of the hashtag, and like, it's a bit aggressive. Very few people. It's a bit aggressive. Have you shove this up your slash? (laughs) The only previous tweets have been from murderers. So, (laughs) like, according to Twitter, there's only been literally like 13 tweets in the history of Twitter that have used hashtag slash this. So I feel (laughs) like what do they say? Read one. Uh okay. Uh, uh. <laughs> what should I do to this? <laughs> should I ha- hashtag eat it or slash this? So eat she, this okay, or Jeff slash Williams. This? In August fourth of August fourth, twenty fifteen, Jeff Williams tweets at Toshiba USA. I'm never buying your TV products again. Uh, I'm never buying your products again. You just played five of your commercials in a row on TV. Hashtag slash this. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to me, uh, inebriated, reading, going, where do I find these five commercials to watch? Somebody's recommending watching five commercials. <laughs> Hashtag, uh, so, uh, uh, Slick, uh, or C- C2G2 writes, in June 4th of 2014, it's a blessing in disguise that I don't get to watch hashtag NY Rangers regularly. I'd be on blood pressure meds. Hashtag get it done. Hashtag slash this. Mm. Okay. Um, okay, oh, Mike Harrington. Mike Harrington tweets: "Sorry, I want a singer, not some over the hill, out of tune rocker on some electric guitar. 
Hashtag get off my lawn. Hashtag slash this. <laughs> I don't, I mean, this don't is completely nonsense. I have no idea what any of this is saying. This is all, I don't understand can... that whole thing where like you you have a whole conversation in hashtags. You know, like <laughs> hashtag this is what I'm saying. Hashtag leave the house. Hashtag buy some Chick Fil A. Hashtag come home. It's hashtag so eat get, all of it. Uh, you you get recognized by you know lists and stuff. I like that one is good, but I also feel like slash watch is the obvious thing we're not going to. Yeah. So. Slash watch. Yeah. Isn't, I, isn't that what my jokey of. one I said? The one I yeah. made fun of is probably the best one. Yeah. Um, well, now, now we're being, now we're being uh, unclear to the audience. You know, they, don't, they don't know what to do. <laughs> no, let's just, let's just agree on it right now. Shall we say slash watch is it? Slash watch? Sorry, slash, slash this. Yeah. You were close, but yeah, I, I like slash watch. All right. All right, Jeff. You win. Jeff, you win. You win. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't feel like a victory, guys. Hashtag slash watch is the one. We're and going. if you can fit it in, hashtag slash this, you know, because I don't know what to watch. Is it this or that? So hashtag slash watch, hashtag slash this, hashtag, hashtag slash, slash immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to our review of She Dies Tomorrow. Hi. How's the new house? Can you come over? Uh, I can't. Are you okay? I am going to die tomorrow. What is going on? There is no tomorrow for me. All right, listen, Amy, I'm really freaking out right now. I feel like you put this idea of dying in my head. Can, can you just call me back? You expecting someone? Hello, Jane. You okay? I just have this feeling I'm going to die tomorrow. But how do you know? I just know. Okay, so you don't know. Happy birthday to that was from the trailer for She Dies Tomorrow, the newest film written and directed by Amy Simon. It's available right now on Video On Demand. You can buy or rent it. I'm going to read the plot summary on IMDb. Quote, Amy thinks she's dying tomorrow, and it's contagious. Uh, Man, so, what a good tagline. Wow. So, uh, if, only, if only the movie was about that. So, okay. <laughs> all right. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. But before we do, I do want to say this is... Uh, how do I describe this movie? This is a movie that does not prize narrative that that much, right? It's a movie <laughs> where, in which narrative is not that important to the movie. Well, I think it, mainly and, the beginning, but yeah. Because a, so a narrative I, does establish itself after, you know, th there's a kickoff time. And then you know where things are going. But yeah, it doesn't end or begin clearly, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, however yeah. you want to put it, it's fine. But, but the point I'm making is just that... Uh, <laughs> There's very, it's hard to spoil this movie, yeah, and so therefore yeah. you should just, you just assume that we're gonna reveal what happens at the end of the movie right from the right from the if, start. But if why, we why could we describe begin, it, <laughs> why don't we just begin real quick before we get into plot details by saying overall thoughts of the movie, uh, Devendra? Quick overall thoughts. Jeff, yeah. I want to hear the limerick, yeah. and then like we'll dive into more specific details. I feel like our listeners, if they know us well enough, they kind of already know where we're going to land on this movie. Um, <laughs> let, let me just say, like I found the first like fifteen to twenty minutes of this movie like a little, 
little hard to latch on to. Like it is, it is very experimental in a way. It is very unnarrative. Um, we see a woman uh, seemingly dealing with a man who looks like they have uh, broken up. Maybe. We don't know. We don't know anything. And there's a lot of her mumbling, you know, um, to herself and doing crazy things in the wild. But then I think the movie you know, hits a gear where like you start to see what's happening. It's like this woman thinks she is going to die tomorrow. Like it is an idea that has infested her mind and almost like her very soul. And similar to it follows, like it is, it is an idea where somebody who comes in contact with her gets that idea too. And it's, yeah, I, I, I really dug this movie. Like I really dug it in the sort of like existential horror that this movie unearths because it's sort of, um, you know, similar to, hey, by the way, your fake funeral idea, Dave, um, you know, <laughs> a fake funeral would not would not unearth the the sort of hard truths and the like the actual feelings that people may have um, about you or about like anybody really like it, it sometimes feels like there is a layer of uh, respectability we put on reality, right? Like to to keep everything functioning. To keep this world going, to keep our relationships alive, we maintain certain levels of, uh, you know, uh, of walls or certain levels of, like, respectability. Like, something to keep ourselves sane. And this movie is sort of about the idea of, like, where no, what if we break that down? And what if, like, this idea that you have in your head that you're going to die tomorrow is is real? And um, not a huge spoiler to say, like, I, I think the movie says it, like, that that is what is actually happening to people, too. And that's never fully explained. But I love this idea of sort of like a virus of the social deconstruction of our psyches and of who we are. To me, that is really cool existential horror. I don't know if the movie fully lives up to the concept. Like there's more I would have liked to see with this. Like I would have liked to see the concept of apply to more people than the handful we do see. Um, but there are, there are some incredibly haunting moments throughout this movie. Like one involving like... I guess we'll talk about this later. But what, like as people begin to get this awareness, it is kind of astounding like how they react to it and how they try to like communicate it to each other and the things they do as they think they're about to die. Uh I would I was endlessly fascinated with it. So I it didn't really matter to me that it didn't like wrap up in a really neat and tidy way. Um I wish the beginning was stronger because I feel like that is that's the thing you got to do if you want to really latch people onto a movie like this, but overall I really enjoyed the ride. Jeff Kanata. Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts about She Dies Tomorrow are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Available now on Cameo. <laughs> You're going to do that every episode now. I got I to yeah, yeah, work that yeah. in. It's called Synergy. All right, ready? Here we go. <laughs> There's no way she could have known pre-release how the world would be Though it's not the first and not the worst, it may be the most COVID movie. It's true. That wow, is true. that, that yes. is what we call some strained rhymes there, Jeff. But it's it, it, it it's not the best COVID movie. It's not the worst COVID movie, but it's the most COVID movie. I, I think that, that limericks. I think that limericks name is Jeff's meter dies tomorrow. <laughs> All this and more available <laughs> now on Cameo. Jeff's meter dies tomorrow. You see? Okay, anyway. <laughs> but I said it today, Dave, so that doesn't really make any... Anyway, um, 
you guys, you guys may recall what I texted you after ten minutes of this movie, uh-huh, uh-huh. which was uh, reviewing "She Dies Tomorrow." This week was a huge mistake. <laughs> um, so here's the thing: I agree with Devendra to a certain extent that there is a kernel of something here. There's a kernel of yeah. interesting here. Have you guys ever read uh, the Ernest Becker book, A Denial of Death? No. Mm-mm. Okay, fascinating book. Fascinating book. Basically, it says the entire thing that it is to be human being is denying the fact that we're going to die. Sure. Like our That's entire, every, yeah. everything that we do all the time is to convince ourselves that that's not going to happen, mm-hmm. right? And when you pull that veil away, fucked up shit happens in your mind. When right, you start right. to actually try to contemplate that fact that we all know is a fact, but we all spend every waking moment actively trying to forget, it really messes with you, right? The, this idea of facing the fact that we are going to die. And now here we are in this pandemic uh, where we're all faced with it. It is a very existential threat and one that, you know, you hear the mounting death numbers all over the world and here at home in the United States. And it is, uh, you, you are forced to deal with it in a way that we don't, we haven't had to, or at least in my lifetime, really haven't had to since 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm in a unique particular position this week where two days ago, uh, two members of my family passed away. Um, my wife's grandmother and my wife's uncle. Um, oh, sorry, it's completely different reasons for both of them, but I, they died on the same day. So death is sort of around right now. It's, uh, it, it's permeating. And there is this kernel of being forced to look at that yep. or yep. analyzing characters that are looking at that and are really believe it is true that they are going to die tomorrow. There's something super compelling about that. But also, I agree with Devendra that it the movie doesn't really live up to that. It doesn't, it's not really about that. It feels a, a little too self-indulgent from my perspective. It feels a little too lugubrious and meandering. And yeah, that first 15 minutes, I mean, a simple restructuring of, of the movie could do wonders for its watchability. Like there is a sequence in this movie that feels like it could have been the beginning Right, and it would have right. brought us into this story with characters that we actually care about in a very, uh, yes, traditional, more more traditional movie way. But also, there's a reason it's traditional. It's because it kind of works. Like, I understand these characters. We're in a, on a journey with this woman, and she has a relationship, and there's things. And then, and then this idea of death happens. We see that. It's just like in the middle of the movie. And where the movie starts is just moping around a house, and we don't even really understand why, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's the, the, very this off- is where Amy Simons is like coming from, right? Is experimental cinema. And yeah. I remember I've seen I tried to watch her other movie. It was escaping me. Like there's one she did in like 2012. Um just looking up the name right now. Um I've tried to watch some of her stuff too. I mean, it's uh it's tough. Like you have to really be in the mood. You have to really like give yourself over to the experiment. Sun don't shine. That's what I'm trying to think of. Mm. Um you have to did give you, yourself you, I over think you to also the watched her work in Girlfriend Experience too, right? Girlfriend. She, well, uh, I saw some of that, but also in uh, Atlanta, she did Champagne Poppy and the Helen episode too. So she's she's worked all around and Atlanta too is a show that can get a little weird and wonky sometimes in a yeah. way where but, narrative but, but, is less clear. Yeah. I would describe her as hugely talented, both as an actress and a filmmaker. Right, right. And she clearly knows 
what conventional structure is. Yes. Right? Like she, right. she knows how to conventionally structure something. And so clearly therefore, a choice. We, we must conclude that she deliberately didn't do it in this way. Right. Clearly right. a right. choice. Right. Clearly yeah. a choice. A choice that didn't make the experience better for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and yes, I'm not trying to point out that, oh, if she only knew that she, uh, clearly a right. choice. Clearly, but I felt like it was a bit of a self-indulgent choice and it didn't, it didn't, um, maybe maybe I'm small-minded in my observation of the film, but it didn't bring me into what I felt was actually a compelling idea, mm-hmm. uh, and it 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 actually made me lose patience with the movie prematurely. And there's, you know, like like Davinci said, there is there is a moment where things start to start happening, and you go, okay, I get what you're doing, movie. Right. I'm I'm kind of with you, and then it intentionally stops its tracks and intentionally just grinds to a halt and does other things and goes back to being experimental. And I just don't think the experiment is particularly effective, at least not for me. I mean, there's an entire like three minutes of this movie that I had to physically turn away from the screen, not because anything gruesome was happening, not because anything unpleasant was happening, but because literally the movie is attempting to induce an epileptic seizure in me yeah, yeah, yeah. you There's know a lot of flashing uh, lights and bright colors and a lot, a lot of different things happening yeah oh it is it, it is yeah it's it's intense in a way that i found difficult to even just look at um and and, and there's a lot of really people a lot of great people in this movie that i like uh there and like i said it, it almost gets to something revelatory it almost for my money gets to something difficult and interesting especially in the age of covid right it's about people stuck in a place it's about people who know they're going to die and and they don't know what to do with that information and how to deal with it and that's what we're all going through right now mm-hmm. and it could have been this really incredible galvanizing film of the moment right i just don't i just think it completely fails uh and it, 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 maybe it's not even attempting to do that clearly right, it was right, made right. before any of this happened but it had that potential it could have been like man this really sums up what i'm feeling but ultimately it pushes me away or at least i felt pushed away by the movie rather than welcome in and 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 welcome welcomed into or invited to consider what the play the characters are considering i don't feel like the movie is trying to welcome me into that experience it's trying to push me away from it mm-hmm. uh i'll just say a couple quick thoughts which is that um I, this is a movie i admired more than i enjoyed you know it's a movie that it's just it's not to my taste it's not really for me but at the same time i appreciate what it's trying to do which is it prizes things like tone and mood and atmosphere and feeling more than it does mm-hmm. telling a compelling story right in my opinion, and some people would argue that the story is extremely compelling, and that's fine. You know, I don't. I'm not saying I disagree with that at all. Um, but for me, you know, I, I I like the the more conventionally told stuff, and I, it's interesting to kind of venture outside of that. It's, it's no, I'm, I'm glad yeah. we saw this, and I'm glad like yeah, you you guys are confronting it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting to to, to tackle it, um, <laughs> and uh, and to see like what else is out there, and what you know what other kinds of work are, are out there inspiring people in different ways. Um, and I, I, again, I think like everything in this movie is deliberate. It's a choice, as we said. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it, it's a movie I found frustrating more than I found um, invigorating or mm-hmm. engaging. I mean, 
Jeff, you're talking about like movies that help to capture how we feel like right now. And we just talked about Palm Springs the other week, yeah. which is, uh, you know, the opposite of this movie in every way, uh, every conceivable <laughs> way. But that's a movie that felt like through the lens of a romantic comedy Groundhog Day style film managed to capture the repetitive nature of what our lives are like right now. And you could imagine a movie like this capturing the kind of existential dread that uh, many of us feel right now, the, the fear. Mm-hmm. Um, not only of death, but of contagion. And that's really what I think a, a lot of those movies about. You, br- you brought up is Fo- It Follows is a good example, Devendra, you know, but it's about, uh, it's about contagion, I think. You know, this movie is about like uh, how we pass things to other people, how we pass fear to other people. Yeah, um, exactly. And that's, that's definitely something that's happening right. in, in many ways, often justifiably so, I should point out, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's about contagion and it uses this kind of very uh, uh, somewhat, not very, somewhat experimental style to, to illustrate it. And it, it but it kind really, of isn't yeah. about contagion. It's just sort of ancillary, an ancillary data point that happens to be in the movie, but it isn't really about the, the contagion. I, I do feel well, like if this movie was actually in production or being written in the midst of this era, like it would be very different. So I almost feel like yeah. being released now kind of hurts it because she is... You know, Amy Simons is expressing her anxiety and this this like existential horror and fear of mortality in a very specific way. But it almost feels like, man, hey, we're just dealing with this all the time now. So, you know, seeing a woman mope around her house because she thinks she's dying isn't as compelling. Right. <laughs> as uh, well. And I guess as, that's like a, the actual that's a specter of what's around yeah. you yeah. As, as like what we're actually going through right now. Yeah. But yeah. You know, the the scene in the movie that was most powerful for me, and we can start getting into spoilers now, I guess, is that, like, there's a scene where I think Josh Lucas shows up in this movie. Is that yeah. right? All there's these amazing kind of actors great show people. up. Yeah. yeah. Michelle Rodriguez is there. You know, like, all these I, I kind of imagine Christmas Eve coming right off of, uh, uh, was it, Harley Quinn, just, like, <laughs> doing this. Like, he he's doing some cool, weird stuff now. I love it. But there's a scene where Josh Lucas, he gets, in, quote, unquote, infected. You know, mm-hmm. with the the notion that he's going to die, and he kind of has a has a mental breakdown. You know, yeah. in the doctor's office, and he uh, goes from being the doctor to being the patient who um, Jane Adams' character is now trying to help because she's dealing with this too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great scene for me. The one, the one that will certainly stick with me is when Chris Messina and his uh, wife um, go hug their daughter. And I that's guess so fucked up. That's so fucked up. And just it's like so fucked up. The daughter, just you just hear her screaming in the background. Ugh, like dude. it is, yeah. That it's stuck so with fucked me. up. That stuck with me. I don't think they they probably like didn't realize it's contagious, or it's like that's just the thing you do when you're confronted with mortality. Is like you you go, you just want to be near your family. But it's it's such a dark, astounding thing. I will say, like I, I think what works a lot for me in this movie is this idea of anxiety and calling out your anxiety and confronting it. And, you know, I'm somebody who has dealt with quite a bit of anxiety in my life. So I feel like, um, the idea of being afraid of mortality and of dying at some point, like, you know, like, yeah, that's something I've had to work through quite a bit too. Um, I, it almost feels like this is a way of somebody who's been dealing with anxiety of expressing that fear, you know, that fear of like you could die tomorrow or the seemingly irrational fear to people who are just now experiencing it. You know, it's, it's the dark night meme. Yeah. 
I, I, I was born in this anxiety. You were merely adopting it in this pandemic. Um, <laughs> like that's what I think is really happening here. So that's why I find it really fascinating. But yeah, if you're coming at this outside of a lot of these experiences and yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's just like a little too much at times, even though it's so short, it feels so long. I will say the, the most kind of, uh, uh, striking illustration of this idea that I've experienced was actually, honestly, uh, the David Lowry movie, A Ghost Story. Jeff, yep. do you ever see that movie? I have not. Oh I think God, I own it Jeff. on DVD. Jeff. I think I own well, it. I just I, have never I seen would, it. I would not recommend Jeff watch it. I'm just yeah, not right there. now. If you, did not, if you did not like She Dies Tomorrow, I don't yeah. think you'll like A Ghost that Story. That movie will knock you on the floor and you will just not get up for a while. So, um, No, yeah. it's more like... I think I that's think already Jeff, happening. I don't yeah. need a movie to do that. <laughs> It's more like uh, She Dies Tomorrow is more similar to She. Uh, I'm sorry, Ghost Story is more similar to She Dies Tomorrow than yes. it is to Palm Springs. Put it that yes. way. I like. Uh, um, by the way, I like this new recurring theme of how fragile Jeff is for <laughs> certain movies. Yes, sure. which is I, I'm not denying is is true at this point in time. But in a Ghost Story, there is a scene like just out of nowhere, like mm-hmm. with no introduction or explanation. Really, there is a scene where this guy, there, these guys are at this party. And this guy that you, I don't even know if you know his name, this just Mm -hmm. random character, gives this lengthy monologue about how all life in the universe is going to end. And it's just this lengthy monologue. It's like there's, it's probably, probably the words that this guy says are 80% of the words in the entire movie. In this like five minute monologue, right? Right. Because Ghost Story doesn't have that much dialogue. And uh, haven't been able to stop thinking about it since because it's basically the, the point he makes the short version of, of what he says is that uh, obviously the world is the, the, the earth as a planet is going to be incinerated one day but then eventually billions of years later um, there's going to be nothing left of the universe right uh, what our knowledge of the universe says is, is one day going to end right and um, how like it's it's a profound idea that one day everything you know is going to be gone. And it's fascinating how the knowledge that that might come sooner will profoundly alter your actions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I liked that idea in a ghost story, in this monologue, in the ghost story movie. Uh, And and I, at its best, this movie, uh, She Dies Tomorrow, made me think of that, right? And made me consider like, oh, yes, if... If I did think I was going to die tomorrow, what would I do? What chances would I take? You know, um, who would None I disconnect? None of the things these people do in the movie, though, right? What'd you say? None of the things? Is that what you I said? don't know. I, I no, think I think I think everything. I think yeah. everything in the movie it sounds extremely. Lo- Here are yeah. things that happen in the movie that people do. Okay, um, uh, disconnect their parents from life support. Well, right? they visit their parents, like doing the thing that they think they should have done a while ago. Like right, that, that's really right. it. It's the regret. The thing you regret most in life is the thing you go to try to accomplish. Right, uh, breaking up, like breaking up with someone who you don't think you should be in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, taking a dune buggy right out into the middle of blah blah blah. You know, like all these things. It's just it's and, and you know the movie's not a, really a, about that in my opinion. Right, it, these are things that are happening. But like that's what I like about the movie is when it made me think of like, what would I, what would I do if I thought I was going to die tomorrow? And like this movie conveys this tone that, uh, this mood again, that you, you would be in, but beyond that, it's not really a movie I enjoyed. I will yeah. say that, um, I was, we, we reviewed relic last week and, uh, <laughs> that movie 
you could only rent it last week, and then this week it, it got onto video on demand. Like you could buy it. And I, I rented Relic and I bought She Dies Tomorrow and I honestly wish I had re- done the opposite, <laughs> you know? Because I feel like I'm going to rewatch Relic again at some point and like, sure, I don't know that sure. I'm going to rewatch this one. Um, but they're both like really interesting movies mm-hmm. and yeah. um, both worthy of consideration. I, th- yeah. I think Those- there are some scenes in here, like as a whole, kind of messy, but there are some scenes like I will think about for a while, certainly. Jane Adams, an actor who I love, in everything like i've uh, i remember seeing her in like fraser back in the day like in some of the later seasons and she is she's still like being cool and weird um but she comes to a birthday party in her pajamas and just like the awkwardness of that situation and like how she's interacting with people and certainly the sister-in-law like she can't stand i love that like it's little things like that that whole hospital sequence um, you know, a couple dealing with like their relationship in the car while they're both like, they're both dealing with this seemingly like, you know, useless thing. Like this thing that doesn't matter in the face of their impending doom, but they're still like trying to deal with it in a weird way. I, I find that all pretty memorable, but yeah. What, what do you guys think happened at the end, by the way? Like just, it is, it is people dying, but I was wondering, is it like a global thing? Like, is it, are they now aware of a global virus or something that's come to just um, wipe away all of humanity or is it just them? Cause it well, sounds what was, like, what yeah. was your interpretation of the ending? Like was your interpretation that they actually died? Like what, what was your interpretation? I got some ideas that they were actually dying, but I feel like the sense I got while watching this movie too, is that some people were aware of like this thing that was going to happen. Cause like in the, it was going to happen on a certain date. It wasn't just like you, no matter who you are, you think you're going to die tomorrow, right? No, it was like something happening on this date that the uh, the original guy she was with, like when he went to the uh, to get the pizza and he comes back after way too long and is very weird about that whole situation. He says something about like two days from now, something is going to happen. So I, I got to thinking like, is this the the best alien invasion story ever. Like the best way to wipe out humanity is to just like tick that little, just knock over that little bit of our psyches that's preventing us from, you know, really confronting our mortality. Like, is is that it? And I kind of, that, yeah, to me, that's kind of the feeling I got. So I, yeah, I do feel like they were dying. I'm wondering if it was the entire world dying or not. I guess, um, I found the movie to be fairly indecipherable. I, I don't think that it is indecipherable. Like I think somebody who's paying like that's this is a yeah. thing with Amy Simons's work is often um it's stuff where there's a lot of subtlety in it and you have to mm-hmm. pay really close attention to it. And I think if you like really pay close attention, you could probably like uh construct a pretty plausible version of things, but it just I found it to be too frustrating for me to want to devote the energy to do that. So, I, <laughs> yeah. so I, I just simply didn't engage on it on that I level. Also, also like, um, was it Relic or was it another movie like that we had just reviewed? Oh, like a first cow. Like this is a movie I really wish I was seeing in a theater again, where you didn't have all the distractions of home. Um, psychedelic movies like this really work well in the theater with if you're in like a like-minded crowd or something, but yeah, at home, it's hard to really, give movies like this their you know their full attention i there's a number of theories that ran through my head as i was watching the movie trying to make any sort of through line through it uh one is have you guys ever seen uh that old 90s movie 20 bucks no oh my gosh yes yes i have (laughs) 
<laughs> it, fo- it follows a $20 bill as it advances through the city, basically. Oh, I've heard right? of yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it has uh, Steve Buscemi's in it. Yeah, and, I'm like, I'm like and, one, it has famous people in it. I'm like one yeah, of Brendan 30 Frazier. people that have seen that movie, I think. Yeah. Anyway, uh, made a big impact on me. We, in my, yeah. When I was in college, we did a movie kind of like it called Four Minutes and 18 Seconds. It was all about what happened to a group of people that missed something by uh, that amount of time. Anyway, I thought for a while, like, oh, is this what this movie is going to be? Is like, instead of following the $20 bill through lives, we're going to follow this idea of I'm going to die tomorrow through a bunch of lives. Of course, didn't turn out to be that. That would have been interesting, I thought. Uh, and then I thought, uh, oh, this red and blue flashing thing that everybody's staring at. Is that like you get the sense that I'm going to die tomorrow, so nothing matters. So then you do some horrible crime and this is the police coming to take you because, you know, this red and blue flashing light thing is very much evokes the police to me, obviously, with red and blue flashing lights. No explanation of what that ever was, but it felt like, oh, these people are convinced that there are no stakes. Nothing matters. We're going to die tomorrow. I'm going to go kill my dad, you know, take him off life support. I'm going to. I was very worried the couple was going to do something horrible to their daughter. Um, it felt, and they, and they kept saying, like, did we make the right decision doing that thing that we did? Which I'm not even clear what the thing they're referring to was. You think telling um, her? Or is it telling to, her? Or going to her? It felt like, like it was something more than that. Yeah, also, yeah. why was, uh, what's her name, all bloody at the end? Mm. I was not clear about that. Uh, she, something happens in her lab. She's looking at shit. And, like, none of it makes any damn sense. But, um, but I, you know, I thought for for a while that maybe that's what that the ending was going to wrap up and be was like, oh, it's just a a sense, and and so the, the, these blue and red flashing lights were the consequences of that. But I, I I didn't get a sense that the whole world was ending. I also didn't get a sense that anybody actually was dying; that right, they, right, they were just right. convinced they were. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. All that to say, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up there, unless anyone has any other thoughts. But interesting movie, interesting, interesting movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I want to rewatch Twenty Bucks now. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> All right, that's our review of She Dies Tomorrow. Okay, look, I hate to do this, but guys, um, somebody uh-huh. in the chat room, uh, Martin Valens, has suggested another hashtag that Ooh, wor- okay. is worthy of consideration. Okay, hashtag. Slash tag. Hmm. Hashtag slash tag? Yeah, it's like pretty good. it's like the hashtag symbol and then the word slash tag. I like I like hashtag slash tag. I like it. It's pretty because it's like you're tagging the Yeah, it's the been show. tagged. Sure. It's been slash tagged. Okay. Okay. I like it. I mean now do I need to go tag. back and delete the other stuff for people who didn't listen to our review of <laughs> Dust Tomorrow or else? <laughs> We're so good at this. <laughs> Look, it's a it's a live show. Okay, we're we're operating yeah. without a net. We just cut, you know what I mean? cut all cut out the last bit and just leave this bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but now we're, we're talking just, about like the last record bit. A, yeah, record a little the, the fix. Yeah. Re, no. Record a li- like leave that bit in, but record yeah, a little yeah. bit of you being like. Later on, we determine what the actual hashtag is. <laughs> <laughs> How about maybe I should just put something at the beginning. Of the episode. Sure. Yeah, that's that'd, gonna be, that that'd be Listen, simplest. Uh, warning for sensitive viewers. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of discussion of hashtags. <laughs> All right, so first, it's going to be hash- going to be a point where the show just stops for 60 seconds <laughs> while the host laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely are are we really that. aligning around slash tag? Because if 
Like slash, slash tag's tag. good. Slash tag's good. Ha- it's a hashtag slash tag. I like, I like saying it. It's fun to say. Oh, hashtag, hashtag slash, slash tag, tag is a blast to say. Ha- hashtag slash tag. We, okay. we just it's always, like a party in your mouth. We always have to say the word slash. <laughs> it's and like not a party the, in your mouth. It's a party in your mouth. <laughs> not an actual slash. The word slash, as always. That's our curse. Hashtag slash tag. <laughs> hashtag the word slash if you, tag. If yeah. you want to recommend something for us to watch, give us the old hashtag slash tag. Hashtag slash tag. <laughs> Okay, we're recording a segment that's going to go at the beginning uh, sure. about this, um, but that's fine. Okay, anyway, thanks to Martin Valens in the chat for hashtag slash tag. Uh, if you- he, it's like it's like we thought we thought we, the game was over, and then one last hitter walked up to the plate <laughs> and hit a home run. All right, all right, folks, <laughs> you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song was written by adamwarrock.com or Spoiling Prepper from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. Uh, our uh, bumper music for Weekly Plugs was brought to you by Noah Ross from Brooklyn. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Next week on the podcast. Uh, you know, f- fascinating, guys. We-, we live in fascinating times. Uh, because... On Twitter today or yesterday, uh-huh. Netflix bought an ad, and the it, it, on uh, if you click on like the hashtag thing where you can see all the ads and stuff, is the ad was Netflix has the blockbusters, mm. and it was advertising. Nobody else does. You have nowhere else to go. <laughs> <laughs> it was advertising. It's advertising our movie for next week, Project Power, uh-huh. which is going to be on Netflix uh, next this this Friday, and we're going to review it on the podcast next week. But yeah, it just. It, it's fascinating that they're like, hey, we have the blockbusters now because uh, you can't go outside. So Netflix has the blockbusters. <laughs> yeah. All your, all your blockbusters are belong to Netflix. Netflix. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can say that about a lot of things too. We have the sports. No other sports. Got the meat. <laughs> we we uh, have. I don't know. That's true. I mean, there's fewer and fewer. They canceled college football today, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Good night. Uh, we'll see you next week on the Slash Podcast. We watched the movie.